to first or second Corinthians chapter one. The first chapter of Second Corinthians. I wish to read beginning with verse three and read through verse seven. Verse three through verse seven. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation or deliverance, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. I wish to speak to you this morning primarily out of verse 3 and verse 4 of our text here uh, that is before us this morning on how to view our tribulation, how to view our trouble as God's people here in this world. I trust that the Lord has given us this message and that the Lord has prepared our hearts for what the day holds. I stand before you this morning in much need of the grace of God to be strengthened, to be helped, to be encouraged, and uh, physically I need to be helped this morning. I took a flu shot on Tuesday and uh, have just been in and out of the flu symptoms ever since, and um, I am quite uh, weak and trembly as I stand before you this morning. May the Lord be pleased to give us his help. Now, the Apostle Paul was a much-tried man. I say he was indeed a much-tried man. He lived in an age when I think the people of God were, uh, in a very peculiar way, tried. Now, the persecutions of that time were very, very severe. And every man who called himself a Christian, every man who testified that he had the work of the Spirit in his heart, enabling him to say and call Jesus Lord, had, as it were, to carry his life uh, in his hand because of the severe persecution and because of the enemy uh, that were very mighty around them. We read in verse 8, Paul says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God which raiseth the dead who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Now in this tribulation, Paul seemed to have the largest share, and I think that it was was because he was the most prominent teacher and preacher that the church had in that day. So therefore, he seemed to be the butt of the heirs of the wrath 
of the enemy. Now we have here, I think, a little insight into Paul's inner life here in the text. He needed comfort and bless the Lord. He received comfort in all of his tribulation and in his afflictions. He needed comfort and he received it. And he had, in, I think, in such an abundance of comfort and consolation from the Lord, from the hand of God, that he became a comforter of others himself. Now in this text here that is before us this morning, there are four things that I wish to speak about for a little time. First of all, we have Paul's practice here. When it was being tried, he blessed God. When he had trouble, he blessed the Lord. He blessed God. Now secondly, he gives us the titles uh, here which he has himself given to God. First of all, he calls God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says he's the Father of mercies. And then thirdly, he says he's the God of all comfort. This is the God that Paul is blessing. And then we have a fact, too, revealed in the text in verse 4, who comforted us in all our tribulation, meaning that God does indeed comfort his people in all their tribulation. We'll have something to say about that. And fourthly, the design of it all. What is the Lord's design in sending these tribulations, these sufferings, these afflictions into the lives of his people? And that is that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Those are the things that we'll be speaking to you about. Uh, this morning out of this text. First of all then, to those of you who may have come in here this morning quite burdened, maybe even cast down, maybe troubled, mourning as you come in to this building this morning, lamenting the trials and the heaviness of the way and the difficulties of the way. We have here the practice or the occupation of the Apostle Paul. Here, as we said, is not a man who was a novice, and this is not a man who knew nothing about affliction and suffering. This man was greatly tried. We do not have time to go through all of the passages that would reveal that to you, but I'm sure that most of you are aware that this is an afflicted and tried man that we're talking about here this morning. Here was a man uh, who never knew but what he might be dead the very next hour that he walked the earth. He had many enemies. And we mentioned that they were cruel, they were mighty, and yet he spent a great part of his time in praising and blessing God. Uh, he didn't spend uh, all of his time reflecting upon the, the uh, possibility that suddenly his life might be snatched from him and that he might be uh, brought to the hour of his departure from this world, but he spent most of his time praising and blessing God. And in the 14 epistles of, of the Apostle Paul, most of them begins with praise and adoration unto the living God. Now this argues something. This argues something to me, and that is that the heart of the Apostle Paul was not crushed, it was not vanquished by his troubles. Now this is very important that we see this. Many, many times in life, 
We feel that we have uh, just received such blows uh, that uh, uh, we simply are crushed. We just simply are not able to deal with the heavy, heavy trials and afflictions uh, that are upon us. But beloved, the Apostle Paul had a practice. And he occupied himself in the midst of his trouble, in the midst of his trial, by blessing God. And this argues that his troubles and trials had not gotten the best of him. They had not pressed him down to where he was not able to function as a child of God ought to function in this world. Now, beloved, at this time, I'd like to say that we better not lose sight of, I hope we have not lost sight of the fact uh, that we're God's spokesman, that the elect of God are God's spokesman in this world, that we serve the will of God in our generation, and that it is through the people of God, through the elect of God, that God will send a message, that he'll send a word out here to this world. And many, many times we're unable to give that message, we're unable to speak clearly, we're unable to say the things that we ought to be able to say because we have not looked upon our afflictions and our troubles as we ought. Our mouths have been silenced. We sit sometime with a dumb spirit, unable to say anything because we're crushed and overcome by those things that have befallen us in this life. And we must see that God would open our mouths and that he would give us insight and understanding so that we could go forward and so that we would have a word ready in season for those that are in need. And we need to keep that uppermost in our thinking. Paul knew that. Paul believed that. Paul was sore beset in many ways, yet he could say, and he did say, praise God, blessed be God. Blessed be God. Now Job, you remember, was greatly tried and he was sorely bereaved, but still he said the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And as long as we can keep the blessing of God out front in our lives, as long as we can understand uh, that the obligation of a Christian is not to sorrow, not to sorrow and not to weigh and uh, reweigh the afflictions and the trouble that come into our lives. But the, the business of our lives is to praise and glorify God, to bless the name of the Lord, to set forth the glories of the God that we worship and trust in. Beloved, as long as we can keep the blessing of God out front in our daily lives, it's a sure sign that whatever may have happened in our lives, we have not lost our confidence in God, which hath great recompense of reward. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. Whatever has happened to you is not worthy for you to give it the place where that it just simply uh, uh, empties you out of praise and adoration unto God. You're to remember to bless the Lord, and as Job said, though he slay me, yet I'm going to trust him. I'm going to go on and trust God as long as he gives me breath. I'm going on uh, to praise and adore the Lord my God. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, 
You listen to this. He said, it is glorious to see how the grace of God will enable a man to endure all the assaults of the world, all of the assaults of the flesh and the devil, how he will be laid aside by sickness, how reproach may break his heart, how he may be depressed in spirit and lose all temporal benefits and yet be able to still say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Let him do what he please with me. I have made no stipulation upon him that I will only praise him when he does according to my will. I will praise him when he has his own way with me, even though it runs exactly contrary to mine. Now, beloved, that's what I'm trying to get you to see this morning. The Apostle Paul, tried as he was, blessed God. That was his practice. That was his obligation. And if you want to get above your trouble, if you want to get beyond your trouble, beyond your afflictions and your trials, make it your business to praise and to bless the name of God when you're in under these afflictions. It is a brave heart that still under all pressure gives forth only this cry, Blessed be God. It is a brave heart indeed. So if you are in trouble and are afraid of being overcome by that trouble, and the scripture says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good, then, beloved, take to praising God. Take to rejoicing in the Lord. Take to blessing the name of the Lord. Get away from the present trial by blessing his holy name. You know, beloved, when a man blesses God for the bitter things, the Lord often sends him uh, the sweet. He often sends him the sweet. If you can praise God in the night, the daylight is not far off. The poet said, pause not to look behind for that which thou hast lost uh, to find, be it of earth or heaven. Uh, but look to God for more, for better than you had before. Bold enter at the open door and treble shall be given. Beloved, when you bless God for the bitter things, the Lord often sends the sweet. He often sends the sweet. If you can praise God in the night, the daylight is not far off. It's not far off. So learn to bless God when you're in trouble. There never was a heart yet. And I tell you this because I believe with all my heart that, that waited and wanted to praise God. But the Lord soon gave them opportunities of lifting up psalms and hymns and spiritual songs unto him. If you want to, if you desire to, to get above and beyond your affliction and trouble, then God will soon give you the opportunity. And he'll give you the heart, a heart, uh, to bless him and to praise him. It shall never be said that we were ready to praise God, but that God was not ready to bless us. So praise God and he will bless you. He will bless you to keep on blessing him. I give this as one of the shortest and surest recipes for comfort. Just begin to praise and bless God. Now our second point is the titles which the apostle here gives to God. And I like this. I like it a great deal. I rejoice in these titles. Paul knew the Lord, did he not? He knew the Lord. 
And the first bless, he says here, the, the first thing he says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How near this brings God to us. Our Father is the Father of Jesus. He's the Father of Christ. Christ is our elder brother. God is the Father of all believers in Jesus Christ. And we're in God's family. And Christ is the elder brother. Now, beloved, there are more to it than this. The Lord Jesus Christ, oh, how wonderful he manifests his Father. The Lord Jesus. When I think of Christ, and you know, most generally, well, there's a lot of the traits of the Father that is passed on to the Son. Uh, one of the bad things about that is that not only are the things that are praiseworthy passed on, but also the weaknesses and frailties and tendency to evil and sin and, and corruption passed on from the Father unto the Son. But not so in the case of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not so. The Lord Jesus Christ, the altogether lovely one, the one without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, the one who expressed the Godhead perfectly. The Bible says that he was the manifestation of the Godhead. He expressed it. He was, he's the, he was the expression of it in a way of perfection. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, there was no sin to be found in him. He was uh, uh, the son of the great father, Father God, Jesus Christ, his son. Now, beloved, uh, the Bible very plainly says that Jesus is, uh, uh, you remember when Jesus was talking to Philip, and uh, Philip said, you show us the father, you show us your father. And Jesus said, well, if you've seen me, you've seen him, you've seen him. And so what I'm trying to say is, Jesus, beloved, is the altogether lovely one. Thanks be unto God, Paul said, for his, uh, thanks be unto God for his gift, for his unspeakable gift, Paul said. What a comfort it is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're told in Romans 8 and 32 that he, God, spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also through him freely give us all things? This God-man, this man who was 100% man, 100% God, Jesus Christ. I like what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1. If you have your Bible, you turn there with me. Here we find language that uh, reminds us of our text. In verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now then, Paul is blessing uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says that he's also blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. I like this. I do not have, and I ask God to give me uh, more and more, and as I've been in the way for a number of years, more and more the ability to set forth uh, such
verses and truths uh, and that that uh, the teachings of such verses as Ephesians 1 and 3. Uh, but beloved, I, I still find myself without adequate language uh, to, to speak uh, as I would like to about uh, the Father uh, being the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know that it's a great mercy uh, that God has given us Christ. It's a great mercy. You know, we uh, often quote the verse in John 10, uh, verses 28 and 29, where he says, I give unto my sheep eternal life, and no man can pluck them out of my hand. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And my Father, which gave them me, which gave them me, I like that expression, uh, Christ was given to us by the Father. He says, my Father which gave them me. And so, beloved, we have Christ by a gift from his own Father. He spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us. We had no salvation apart from him. No grace, no mercy, no life, no light. Nothing but death apart from God's gift, his Son, to us. And so Paul blessed God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when you begin to bless God, you have much to bless Him for because your being seated in heavenly places in Christ now is it directly springs from the Father who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in His Son. And so I hope that doesn't muddy the waters. I hope that that enables you to see that this is indeed a, a, a great uh, a source of comfort uh, to know that God is the Father of the Lord Jesus. And that's the greatest blessing. If he blessed us with this greatest of all blessings, shall he not bless us with all the lesser blessings? Certainly he will. And that's what all that means to me. So bless God. Bless God. Now next we see that he is uh, the Father of mercies. He's the Father of mercies. Every mercy I have, every mercy that I've ever had, has been begotten of God, who is the Father of mercies. Have you been a recipient of mercy? Well, thank God I have. I have been a recipient of God's mercy. I could never, never make it on justice. I must have mercy. Mercy is for the guilty. There was a woman one time who had a son who was guilty of treason, and he was to be shot. And so she goes to the king, and she pleads with the king uh, that uh, he would spare her son. He said, it would not be just for me to spare your son. She says, I'm not asking for justice, I'm asking for mercy. And that's the position that every child of God takes before God Almighty. We come before him not petitioning him ever for justice. We petition him for mercy. Beloved, let me point out to you that if we were to receive justice, we'd all go to hell. We'd be maybe in hell this morning if we got justice. Now you say, well, now you mean that if a man gets justice, uh, he'll for sure go to hell? Listen to me. Take a look at Calvary's mouth. 
There the Lord Jesus Christ is standing in my room instead. There he stands as the federal representative of all God's elect. And what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ? He was crucified. He was nailed to that gory tree and he suffered the loss of his life. It was the sword of divine vengeance that plunged into him and took his life. And the reason was because he got justice, the justice that was due the elect, those that God had chosen and given to his son. Those was the one he was there representing. And so there's your justice, my friend. The Bible says that he that sinneth, he must die. Sin brings forth death, death. And so let us remember that, that justice we cannot live. And here is the father of mercies. And you come and you bless God. See, I got some trouble. I'm, 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 I'm pressed down and I'm, I've got this trouble and that affliction and other problems. Well, bless God uh, who is the father of all mercies. Bless him that, number one, that you're not in hell. Bless him that you're still out and still able to tell about his mercies. Bless him. He's a God of mercy. All temporal mercies come to God's people from their Father. He blesses our tables, does he not? He blesses our backs. He puts, and one old preacher, I never will forget it, and I've often quoted it. He said that we drink God's water in this world. He said we wear God's clothes in this world. He said we're eating God's food in this world. Mercies. He's the father of mercies. He blesses our tables and our backs. In all common mercies, we see a touch of the divine hand. Is it not true? Now both temporal and everlasting mercies arise from God. What a barren world this would be. Apart from the mercies of God which endure forever. What a barren world. What a terrible, waste-telling wilderness this would be if it had not been for the mercies of God. Now seeing then that he is the father of mercies, can you not go to him for all the mercy you need? If your mercies seem to be few, remember Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 where it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we, might, or that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Uh, you remember that old song, uh, Showers of Blessing? What a wonderful uh, song. I like to sing that every once in a while. Mercy drops round me are falling, but for the showers we plead. If you feel that your mercies are few, go to the all-merciful God and beg him to send of his mercies because he is the God of all mercy. He's the God. He's the author of your mercies. So bless him. Bless him. He's the father of your mercies. Now the next title is that he's the God of all comfort. He's the God of all comfort. In other words, if you're going to get any comfort, whatever it be, suffer as you might, be raw as you might be, be troubled and perplexed and vexed as you might be, be cast down as you very well may be. Listen, if you're going to get any comfort, it's got to come from God. And Paul said, bless the God who is the God of all comfort. Bless him. 
All sorts of comforts are stored up in God. He has just the kind of comfort that you need, whatever your situation may be. Have you grown weary because of the trials and the heaviness of the way? This word uh, is to you. He is the God of all comfort. He's the God of all comfort. Regardless of how terrible your wilderness may be. And we said earlier it's a waste howling wilderness that we live in here in this world. A dry and barren place. But God is the God of all comfort. Not merely of some comfort but of all real true comfort. All the comfort. Now, somebody said, well, I get a little comfort. I've heard people say it. I get a little comfort out of the whiskey bottle. Well, now, beloved, that kind of comfort only brings misery, misery, and misery. You may get a little comfort for an hour or two, but down the road, it's going gonna, it's gonna to just be the opposite. And it'll come to the place. Believe you me, it will come to the place in time. Whenever, whatever comfort you get in an unlawful way, and whenever, when you get comfort that in some way or another is not from the hand of God, that comfort's going to ruin you, and it'll spoil your life. It will destroy you. The comfort we're talking about is that comfort that will that is from God that will benefit your soul, that will edify your heart, and that will be that which you really deeply need in your very spiritual heart. If you need every kind of comfort that was ever given to men, God has it in reserve, and he can give it to you, whatever it might be. If there are any comforts to be found by the people of God in sickness, in want, in depression, in bereavement, in death, it will and must come from this God of all comfort. So, beloved, if there is any to be had, it's from this God. So you can bless him, you can bless your God, because all comfort is with him. It's not a creature who supplies the comfort that we have. It is only the creator now listen to me carefully. The creature or the comfort may be brought to us by a creature and brought in the name of God, but it must come from him. And I certainly have been comforted many and many a time by the children of God in various and sundry ways. And there are those here that have been a real comfort and blessing to my heart. And I praise God from that. But I rec for that, and I recognize, and we all must, that the author of that comfort, even though it come through the hand of one of his creatures, one of his children, still God is the author of that comfort. That comfort comes from God, comes from his hand. The reason why bread feeds you and medicine heals you is because God chooses to make it do so. It's the hand of the Lord in the matter. It's the fact that God's involved in everything and it is God who must work with the means. Is that right? It is God that must do it. And so we must trace his hand back to it all. And we have the creator himself as our comforter. We have the creator himself as our preserver. We have the creator himself as the caretaker of our lives who performs all things that are appointed for us. Now then, that brings me to the third thing, and I must hasten on because the time's getting away. And that is the fact that Paul is talking about here in verse 4. 
who comforteth us in uh, us in all our tribulation. He says that God comforts us in all our trouble, in all our tribulation. Now this was Paul's declaration. This is what he said. He said the Lord comforts us in all our trouble, in all our tribulation. The Lord does it. He does indeed. Now he said we ought to be blessing God because he's the God of all comfort, the Father of mercies, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he does actually comfort us experimentally. We know it's true, Paul says. He comforts us in all of our troubles. It is not only true of Paul and the Christians of his day, but it's true also of us. The God of all comfort has comforted us in our tribulation, and if you keep a diary, I don't. But if you do keep one, I'm sure you can turn back in the pages of the diary if you've been in the way of the Lord for any length of time and you will be able to see as you have it written down that the Lord has comforted you on many occasions. I speak for myself. I know it to be true and I can cite dates and I can give you places and times and I can, I, I can go through all of that even though I don't have it written down. It's written on my heart. I know that the Lord has been very gracious to me in my afflictions. I know the Lord has comforted me in my troubles. I know it of a truth. Now Paul speaks here in the present tense. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. God is now comforting us who believe in his son. If you came in here this morning heavy of heart burdened down, distressed, uh, mourning over your situation and your lot in life, feeling greatly the pains of affliction and trouble, then I hope some of this heaviness, some of this has gone away by now in this service, that the Lord has given you a lift in your heart, that he's drawn near, that he's comforted you even now, this morning, right now, while this service is going on. The Bible says, cast thy burden upon the Lord, he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He will not leave us comfortless. He will come to us and comfort us in all our troubles. The Lord will do that. Now the text is true also of the future as well as the present. He has comforted, he is comforting, and he will comfort. I read the story of an old lady who was 75 years old. And she became very, very anxious, very, very troubled. She felt that she would most surely end up in the poorhouse and starve to death. Somebody asked her, how long have you been a Christian? Fifty years I've been a Christian. And you're, and you're uh, very worried and you're, you're fretting and, and you're very, very uh, fearful uh, that you're going to starve to death and you've been a Christian for 50 years. My brother, my sister, the Lord has comforted, he is comforting, and he will continue to comfort. God will not forsake his people. The feet of his saints are preserved forever and he will never forsake his people. He will never forsake them. David said, I was young, now I'm old, yet I've never once seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. 
The Lord is faithful. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that you may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and you need not fear what man shall do unto you. Trust the Lord. Believe him. He is a God of comfort. As your days, so shall your strength be. The Lord does comfort his people. He has, he will, and we need to trust him and believe on him. Now then, lastly, the design of which the text speaks. Why does God lay trouble at your door? Why does God lay trouble upon his people and then turn right around and comfort them in their trouble, in their distress, in their difficulties? Why does he do this? Well, it is that he may make them comforters of others. Listen to it. That we may be able, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. That's the reason why the Lord does that. Now you see, that's a little different view of trouble than what maybe we've ever taken before. Uh, most of the time when we have trouble, our first thought is, the Lord is mad at us. The Lord is angry with us. The Lord is upset with us. The Lord is going to prune. He is going to strip us. The Lord is going to deal harshly with us. The Lord is going to afflict us because we've displeased him. But you know, Paul said, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, the sufferings and the afflictions that come to God's people, the trouble that they have, these troubles, now I'm talking to those that are in Christ, these troubles, these afflictions, these problems, they come to them by virtue of the fact that they are in Christ. And because God's purpose in their life involves this suffering, this affliction, these trials. God's purpose involves this. And that if we're going to be what we ought to be, serving the will of God in our generation, these troubles had to come in to our lives. And God has a purpose for every trouble that comes into the lives of his children. Now I know that there, you may go out here in the world and you may find identical problems in the lives of the lost, in the lives of those that are outside of Christ. The difference is the afflictions and the trials and the troubles in the lives of God's people are sanctified afflictions. They're sanctified troubles. They're sanctified trials. And those in the world are not. And those sorrows that are in those people's lives are is sorrow to death. But in the people of God, it brings sorrow many times to repentance, genuine repentance, and it brings sorrow to where that we're able to be comforted and enabled to be comforters of others, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Now, a man who has never had any trouble is very awkward when he tries to comfort troubled hearts. You get somebody with has got his hand in a wound, and his hand, he's never been afflicted himself, never had a wound similar. And that individual can just simply, just simply uh, create havoc. And he can ruin uh, uh, an individual for whom Christ died. Not that that individual will be lost, 
but he can wreck that individual and he can destroy that individual's joy and life for a number of years. The preacher, if he's to be of much use in God's service, he must have some trouble. Prayer, meditation, and affliction are the three things that makes the minister of God. An old writer uh, whose name I cannot pronounce said long ago, there must be prayer, there must be meditation, and there must be affliction. It is God's will that we comfort one another, that we have a word of comfort for one another. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. These comforting men are to be made, uh, they are not born able to comfort God's people. Now that's very important to see. They must be made. Comforters in Zion must be made. They are not born coming forth from the womb able to comfort God's poor and afflicted family. They can only do so as they themselves go through such sufferings as God designs and sends into their lives, enabling them to experience what they must experience from God's hand to be able to assist and to help the poor, afflicted people of God. They are not born so, and they have to be made by passing through the furnace themselves. they got to be made. They cannot comfort others unless they have had trouble and have been comforted in it. We are to be made, we're to be made able comforters. Well, now what Paul said, that we may be able to comfort any uh, which are in any trouble. May be able to do it. So miserable comforters are you all, Job said to his friends, and the same can be said of many that I've crossed paths with in my time. God deliver us from some of the miserable comforters that are out here in the world trying to administer in the name of the Lord some of their own home-growing brand of comfort to the Lord's people. I don't want anything to do with it, and I admonish you to run from it as quick as you can. Brethren, the able comforter must be those who know both the trial and the promise that is suited to that trial. They must know how to administer God's word and God's remedy to the trial. Experiential knowledge helps a man to speak with power to the afflicted soul. The afflicted soul knows when the fellow speaking to him uh, has a little bit of knowledge, when he knows what he's talking about. The afflicted soul, the truly afflicted soul, when led of the Spirit of God to hear what somebody else has to say that has been through the furnace, knows it immediately. This individual knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. He's been up the tree and the bear's been after him and he's been out on the limb and somebody's been about to saw it off. This guy knows where he's at. He knows where he's coming from. He knows what this is all about. He knows something about the affliction. The Lord often sends, and I believe this to be true. You know, there's some preachers that have the ability to preach to the congregations that God has put them in and over. And they have very little ability to preach anywhere else at that time. In those years that God has placed them in a certain place. And they seem just to simply have the message for that place. And for those people that the Lord has placed them over. And uh, their ability otherwise 
is limited in many, many ways. And that is because the Lord in a peculiar way has led that individual, has dealt with that individual, uh, so as to prepare them just to deal with that people. And maybe in some time in the future, maybe something that they have written or something on a tape or something they've spoken might be helpful to other people. And maybe it would be now if it was more widely circulated. Only God knows that. But I have found by experience there are people that are able, quite able, to minister to their own people. They're not able to do so much anywhere else where they go. The Lord often sends his preachers through trials which would, they would have never had to endure if it were not for their people. If it were not for what they had to deal with in the lives of their people, they wouldn't have had to go through what they went through. God had a reason to do it, and it was many, many times, it's some of the afflictions of Christ that that individual suffers for Christ's sake. Even as upon the chief shepherd, here's the way one writer put it, even as upon, upon the chief shepherd, all the wanderings of the flock had to be laid, so in a very minor sense, the wanderings of the flock must be borne by the under-shepherd, or else he cannot be a comforter to them. Very well put, I think. I think that's true. The next time we get into trouble then, we ought to keep notes how God comforts us. And one of these days, we are going to need to get out that diary and we're going to say, now listen, friend, I know what you're going through and I got it right down here in black and white what the Lord blessed to my heart. Here's how the Lord comforted me and I'd like to share this with you. That would be God's way in dealing through your life to others. An old writer wrote, whenever, and, 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 this, and this is very good. Now, you, you get this. He's, he wrote, whenever thou comest into the mouth of the furnace, say to thyself, God has some great work for me to do, and he's preparing me for it. Now, isn't that an entirely different way of looking at trial and looking at the mouth of the furnace? It is indeed. I've not often, if ever, thought of trials like that. Have you? I've always thought, as I said earlier, that the Lord's whipping me. There's something that's wrong with me. And this is why all of this is happening, that I've just brought it upon myself. But the Lord opens the mouth of the furnace. And he's the one that brings us in it. I, I believe this is true. That when uh, we come to the mouth of the furnace, we ought to say the Lord is preparing us for something that we're, we're to do. God means to do something more by us, which speaking after the manner of men, he cannot yet do by us until we've gone through the furnace. We're not qualified uh, yet in the furnace. The furnace must be hotter. It must be hotter. And we don't look upon that in the flesh with pleasure. We do not. We do not. Somebody said we ought to say welcome when trouble comes. Jesus said in the world you'll have tribulation. He said we're going to have it, so welcome it when it comes. I will not go that far. I am too timid. I am, I am, I've had too much of it. I, I, no, no, let me take that back. I have not had too much of it. I've had what the Lord sent to me, and uh, I'm sure there'll be more if I live longer. And it'll be all right comes from the hand of my heavenly Father who's an all-wise God, too wise to err and too holy not to do right. If it comes from his hand, it'll be all right. But I've had 
I've had, I've had my share, I think, of trouble. And I really, I really don't look forward in the flesh. Do you? You don't look forward in the flesh to trouble. I know uh, it's just like uh, chastisement. No chastisement for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. And so it is. God means to do something more by us. And uh, when we come out of the furnace, we'll be more fit. More fit for the matters that are at hand, for the Master's use when we come out of the furnace. If God ever blesses us to comfort others, it probably will be because of or through the very trials that now lay heavily upon us. Let's think of it that way. I think that's wonderful to be able to think of it that way. If God ever uses you and blesses you to help somebody, it'll be because of the trial that's upon you today. And you'll experience help from God. Paul said, who comforted us in all our tribulation. You're going to get it. Brother, you're going to get it. You're going to get the help, and you're going to be able to help others. Wait on the Lord. I want to be used of God to help others so they'll not have to suffer as I did if I can help it. I've stumbled an awful lot in my life. I've, 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 just, I've had great difficulties coming to what measure of truth that I've come to. Struggled. But I believe most of God's dear children do. I believe they do. And may God bless you all who have found mercy to administer that mercy in the name of God, to the glory of God, to those who are longing to find it. Look around. Have your eyes open for those that are suffering. And attempt to find out if you can minister to them and help them. And if there's any, any connection between what you've experienced and what they're experiencing, then attempt to minister. Uh, that's the design of the text. That's why God afflicts His family, is so that they'll be able to comfort those uh, who need to be comforted. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You for this privilege this morning. We ask that these truths, these Bible truths, may live in our hearts and that we may have victory. But Father, we all together with one heart at this time would bless, would bless thy name. We bless thee, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of mercies, God of all comfort, we bless thee. We praise thee. We adore thee. We glory in thee. We love thee. We, our Father, are ashamed of any, any, any time when we mishandled our trials. And we ask that your forgiveness may be with us and that we may be greatly strengthened and helped. We are so weak. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. And we are weak indeed. The Bible speaks of women as being the weaker vessel. But that only means that man is weak. And Father, we ask that you would minister to us. Give us strength, spiritual strength. Give us the backbone that we need 
to be all that we ought to be and serve thy will in this generation. Grant us our help. We thank you for all those who have been a comfort to us, who you sent into our lives to be a comfort to us. We thank thee in Jesus' name. Amen.